Hi, everybody. I'm Neil Malonson. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. With me, Avery Davidson, Carl Wiggers, and Brianne Hendrickson, our new addition to the staff. And that's what we're going to start with. Welcome, Brianne. Thank you. How's this, it feel? It's it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> that's you, you, how it feels. It's, it's not as cold as where you were before. That's very true. I mean, you were in Oklahoma, Stillwater, Oklahoma, before yes. coming here. Yeah. Is it cold there? Yeah, yeah. they've been in the um, single digits a couple days. Dang. I just think so. of whenever I think of Oklahoma, I think of tornadoes. I don't think about cold weather, warm weather, whatever. It gets hella cold, as yeah. the kids would You don't say think there. about ca- the cattle industry there. Well, you I mean, yes, I do. I'm thinking weather The great people there, but you, you think about tornadoes. I got weather. you. Weather. Okay. I'm sorry. Forget well, they are <laughs> most famous for tornadoes. I'm about to say, I mean, they are. I'm not they crazy are. for yeah. thinking yeah. that. Uh, I just never did think about cold weather. For sure, where you're originally from, cold weather, I would associate, which Indiana. is Indiana, yeah. right? Yeah. So is that the only place you've lived, Oklahoma and Indiana? I don't know this about you. I'm really asking you real time. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, whenever I was like infant, we lived in Kentucky. Okay. Um, and then they moved to Indiana and we've lived there. I got you. Cool. Well, it's it's appropriate that you brought up how cold it is because I think I think it was hazing. I think Avery and Neil had this diabolical plan when they got you going down this Arbor Day trail. They just could see in the future and knew it was going to be cold. Yeah, we knew that, mm-hmm. you know. And knew that it would involve a Saturday shoot and all mm-hmm. the all the things that, you know, can be seen as negatives. But you got to go out when it was freezing yeah, for I, your shoot. I definitely bought my Oklahoma clothes. I was, I was proud of that moment. <laughs> um, You're probably more prepared than anyone there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, was that was the day after interstates got shut down here in Baton Rouge. But of course, you get the temperature to where a single cube of ice will stay on the pavement for, what, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. They're going to shut it down saying, yeah. oh, it's cold. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right. But so how cold was it out there? And were you surprised that that many people were out there planting trees? I was very surprised of the um, amount of people out there. And the people that bought their kids um, because I would not have taken my kids out to that being that cold. How cold was it? Do you know? Do you remember? Um, I know in the morning when I first woke up, it was 30 something. That's fine. Um, and so I just mentally no. prepared myself that way. See, I'm a firm believer. Anything below 70 degrees is, is cold. Oh, so is my wife. Uh, she's like 65. She's putting a parka on. You might as well think she's going to the ski slopes. And I'm the exact opposite. I'm, I, you know, love I love it. I'm wearing a short sleeve polo right now, and yeah. it was like 35 when I left the house this morning. Yeah, well, I just love this weather. See, like I don't mind the cold. It's just a different cold here. It mm-hmm. is, it's wet. It it's not my type of cold. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of humidity, so it's like it get gets into your bones and everything else. But yeah. the kids in the pictures. I saw they were dressed up like little little swollen ticks. They had <laughs> yes. so many layers on. Yeah. Like, like what's the name in Christmas Carol? And they dress oh, yeah, up Christmas like story, yeah. Christmas Story, Ralphie, yeah. I've never seen that. I just know the character. I've never don't seen the whole me. movie either. Oh, you wow. haven't? I've not seen the whole They're movie. They're coming out with a sequel, by the way. Don't, I just don't saw with the original me. Ralphie actor. Really? Mm, yeah. Well, he yeah. was in Elf. He was, a, he was an elf in Elf. Yeah. Wild. Back to what we were talking about. Right. We've, we're talking about Brienne and her being in Louisiana now, but yeah. we're, and we've mentioned this story about planting trees. Tell, tell us about your story. That's what the after show is all about. It's your first short story to shoot for Twilight. Don't tell us about it. Yeah. So, um, Arbor Day, 
planting trees. Um, and it was kind of cool going to Louisiana's um, deal of this. Uh, the Botanical Gardens here, um, LSU Zag Center Botanical Gardens. Very different from Oklahoma's. Uh, <laughs> but it was very cool to see how they come together. First off, mm-hmm. how this community comes together. Um, very eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool to see. Um, got to, you know, talk to people out there, spend time with them doing some tree climbing with the little ones. Did you, try, did you climb a tree? No. Oh, you didn't, no. didn't. She didn't bring the tree <laughs> climbing you, uh no. You forgot that there. outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had some axe throwing and things like that. Did so. you do, please tell me you did that. No, I. <sighs> you know, you can't have fun on the job also. Yes. Just so you know that. But I don't trust myself with okay. an axe throwing. <laughs> well. I've always wanted to go to one of those bars that are axe throwing They're pretty bars. cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're but that's cool. the thing. They're they are enclosed, you know, like your axe won't go <laughs> every which direction. This one, it was just out there. Free for all, kind of yeah. scary. So I was I was okay not not doing that. That seems like it would be a cool thing to do. But of course, you know, talk about the axe throwing bars. I don't think you'd want to mix alcohol with it, but they were mixing tree planting with it. How many, about how many trees, I think you said it in your story, was like 750 or something like, how many people planted trees out there? Yeah, so um, they didn't have an exact amount yet, but they said over 750 people came out to plant trees and um, they were still planting trees. And that the crazy blows thing my of, mind. So for folks who are listening outside of the Baton Rouge area, you know, we talk about the Burden Museum and Botanic Gardens, like it's just a place. It is in the middle of baton rouge it interstate is, runs through the property yeah you can throw a stone and hit our lady the lake medical center mm-hmm. yeah, i mean it's it's this wonderful oasis that's in the middle of the city where people go and plant trees it's just really cool i, I like just going it, it's hang out right there. there for people out of town when where i-10 and i-12 split it's right there south of it mm-hmm and the woods you see to the right when you're going on I-10 is are those woods when you're going towards. It's the one of it's also so unassuming. Like you yeah. get off the interstate and you, I, I pass it all the time. Yeah, and it's just a little wooded fence row essentially that is there as you're getting off the exit, and all of a sudden you pull into this this uh, down there driveway, and all of a sudden you're like, "What in the world have I landed in?" It's yeah. if you didn't hear the interstate. You would think I would feel like I, I may be in Franklin Parish. Yeah, you know, it's just that it's that, uh, that rural, remote remote feeling. feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, so I'm glad you got to go visit. But Avery's got a question. Of course, I always have questions. <laughs> always. Um, your background. You've done a lot of photography. You've especially at rodeos and livestock shows and that sort of thing. But this was your first time really shooting a video story. What What were the challenges you had there? It's it's a lot different. Um, first off, equipment. I'm used to holding a, a tiny little camera and the video camera is a, a tad bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but just learning how to position that compared to, you know, whenever I go shoot rodeos and livestock, we kind of have a look of how we want that. And learning the video side of that, it's it's a little tricky. <laughs> and it's even trickier with this because you're not in as much control. Yeah. Yeah, you. I can pinpoint exactly when I want that picture to be taken in video. It's 
you hope those <laughs> you hope it went right. <laughs> stay in frame. Stay and also in, frame. in rodeo, which you're used to shooting, you also do it yourself, like rodeoing. So you're very familiar with, you know where those horses are going to go, and you know the, you know what barrel they're going to go hit first, right? I mean, yeah. that, it's very predictable for you, and definitely in video world where you're watching people go mill about freely <laughs> you're like i don't know what i'm gonna get but so i get that for sure yeah i've, I've always <clears throat> been like okay if, if they could only do that again and mm-hmm. you know i'll i've occasionally you since not coming here journalistic yeah. integrity yeah, well back when i was working at channel nine i wouldn't ask people to do things again but now it's a little, like, little hey. acting involved from time to time don't don't tell we everybody call it play tv yeah play tv yeah. You just play tv for just a moment or can you stick that shovel in one more time like right there That'd be yeah. perfect. Yeah. Hey, I know you, I know you've been digging in this these soybeans you just planted for five minutes, but one more minute, please. Just keep <laughs> keep going. Keep going. I mean, keep walking in circles around you and shooting video stuff. So you'll get the hang of that. And there are two things you never want to see made sausage and television. Never yeah. heard that. Never heard you make that comment no, before. No, no. I will say this for anyone listening and for you two that haven't seen her timeline yet, it's quite impressive. Mm-hmm. There's probably, and I'm I'm not going to say this to critique too much on the on the radio. There are things you can do better. There are things you could look at my story any week, and Avery's and Neil's the same way. There's always something we could have done better. Mm-hmm. But it's very impressive. I just I'm and so I'm like, thinking back to my first story mm-hmm. that I did that we will not mention and, and put links to in the show notes at all. But looking at hers and knowing where mine was, it's just like golly, we're going to be like once she actually actually figures out what she's doing, we're going to be in really good shape <laughs> or, or that we're going to be in trouble and be like, oh, damn, we got to step up our game. Yeah. I got to actually learn how to do this yeah. for once in my yeah. life. I, yeah. I have I have said, I know I don't do this, but you probably should do this. <laughs> it's kind of making me feel a little bit, uh, a little, a little convicted, a little mm-hmm. bit, but, but very good stuff so far. That's what I'm saying. You. And just so to clear up for po- folks who don't know what he means by timeline, whenever oh. we're <laughs> we're putting our video stories together, there's a part where you actually put the video and the audio together and it lines out, you know, lin- in a linear fashion. It's so that's called the timeline where you put it all together. Sorry. No, I know. I'm using, just using the lingo here like everybody listening knows what the timeline is. That's that's all right. I mean, believe me. Uh, I think folks in agriculture are used to alphabet soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, between USDA, FSA, ELAP, EQIP. There's plenty of it. Yeah. Speaking of new stuff, we've got a sort of new segment, uh, Feasting on Agriculture. The reboot. Mm-hmm. The reboot of Feasting on Agriculture. Kristen Oaks White has taken over that property and is not with us on the podcast today because she's busy working on that timeline Finishing it up. by herself. Uh, and she's going out to Parish Rice this this time. It's mm-hmm. a native Louisiana rice grower who is um, growing his own special brand of rice. And then she's going to take that and cook with it. So they've got a gumbo cooking. And you can see some of the pictures on our social media yeah. already. That gumbo looked killer. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I know a good gumbo. That looked like a darn good gumbo. I wish Sherry I'd been saw there it with and her. made one for us at home. So we're I, having I, gumbo tonight at the house, <laughs> the Wiggers' house. It's going to be. A, I'm going to be a happy Tis guy the tonight. Season. All right, I'll make a gumbo this weekend. All Thanks. Right, so yeah. I texted Kristen about it because I saw that she's actually the the chef she's working with is an old college friend of hers, and they she she talks about that in the segment. Um, but he they make their own roux. 
and a can, the canned roux thing. And I know there are some people in South Louisiana who are very against that. Mm-hmm. Like that is the ultimate sin. Right. And I was like, Kristen, you scratch. better brace yourself. You know, you're going to hear it. And she's like, I'm, I'm, I can hear it all day long, but I don't know anyone that's more of a purist than Carrie. Uh, not Carrie. His name is not Carrie. Uh, can't come up with it. But the brand is Carrie's Rue. It's his dad. Uh, he's like, there's nobody. Uh, they actually call him Rue. That's his nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, said there's nobody more of a purist than him. And he's the one making this stuff. So I'm like, okay, so I'll take your word for it. But anyways, I was just kind of like, oh, wow, we're going to use canned Rue. But it's got me curious now because that is the worst part of making gumbo is the mm-hmm. Rue. See, sitting over a pot for 30, 40, 50 minutes, whatever it is to get that roux right. If it takes right. you 50 minutes to make a roux, I'm just, roux, buddy. I'm just I mean, saying, whatever. It feels talk. like an eternity. It does, and especially if it splatters back on you, it's like napalm, gives you a nice little just burn. Saying. You got that blister for a few days. Uh-huh. It has me very interested in trying this this stuff. So, have you yeah. had gumbo from Louisiana yet? Not from Louisiana yet. Oh, well, you haven't had gumbo yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. Then you haven't had gumbo. Anyways, yeah. back to what you were saying, Neil. It looks like a really great story. And the rice, you said it's a it's a new um, brand, but right. it's a variety that was developed at the LSU Ag Center in Crowley, which That's, is really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And, a homegrown product. And they're, you know, it's part of the, it shows the strength of the partnership between our farmers and the research that goes on at LSU that mm-hmm. they're constantly coming out with this. I mean, for every variety that you see, there's, 100 200 you know more that are out there that are they're working on and the various strengths of each of them you know plays out differently depending on the field this is one that has a wide uh commercial appeal and i think we're going to see a lot more of it into a lower glycemic yeah let's say it's index. a healthier yeah. yes it makes so, the case for it being a healthier rice which right. is int- even healthier than brown rice yes which i was kind of like i thought there was no, nothing no such thing how do it happen how do it happen it's the right. sciences <laughs> Yep. It's the sciences. It's really cool. Avery, what's your story this week? Oh, I don't have one. Okay, no, cool. uh, I'm Me kidding. neither. Uh, no, I, uh, so I went out and spoke with folks from the Louisiana Sweet Potato Commission because the Louisiana Sweet Potato Commission turns 70 this year. And so this, even though we've been growing sweet potatoes here in Louisiana for hundreds of years, almost as long as we've been doing, you know, sugarcane, if not longer, um, the Sweet Potato Commission came around to make sure that this industry would stay vibrant, that we would still have uh, farmers who could who could grow it. And the, there was new developments made with varieties. And, you know, we went over, stopped by uh, Larry Fontenot's farm over there in Evangeline Parish, you know, uh, met with Tara Smith over at the uh, the LSU Ag Center's uh, uh Sweet Potato Research Station in Chase, Louisiana. Yeah. Your old stomping grounds. old stomping grounds. And uh, I actually never worked there, but I did work at the other one right across the road. Anyway, side the point. Talked with the chairman, Jason Abels, Commissioner Mike Strain, and just what the this has meant to the industry for the last 70 years to ensure that we we have sweet potatoes grown in Louisiana. I'm going to tell you now, I, there, there's a few things I like more than just taking an Evangeline sweet potato or a Beauregard, throwing it in the oven at 400 degrees, and leaving it there for about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes till that, that syrup it starts, starts to, to run out of it. candy? Yeah. That's, that's, that in a steak, and that's my jam. Mm. I interviewed Larry Fontenot about 20 years ago now, and uh, he 
you know, one of the things he brought up is the fact that everybody loves sweet potatoes to have them for Thanksgiving meals, right? Or or even sometimes for Christmas, but it's a year-round product, mm-hmm. you know, and they're constantly growing it. And so that's been the challenge. That's why things like this commission exists is to keep you know, the market flowing for these guys who have to make a living all year round and who have to grow this stuff all mm-hmm. year round. Yeah. A big part of it's promotion, mm-hmm. promotion of the product right. and like putting it out there in front of people, which we mm-hmm. have rice promotion. We have soybean promotion. There's all these different boards that exist. And Sweet Potato mm-hmm. Commission is one of those that, you know, has one of one of the legs of that commission is to promote it. And I think that's a huge reason that Larry Fontenot is still in business. Yep. I, mean, I think yeah. I think he would say the same thing if I had to guess. He probably already did on camera for you, did he? He did. He did. <laughs> and he, he definitely sang the praises, especially because his father is one of the founding members of, he was one of the founding members of the Sweet Potato Commission. Wow. So, you know, this really is important to his family. Well, I, we talked about the rice and that being a variety thing that was developed, a variety that was developed at the mm-hmm. LSU Ag Center in Crowley. Well. Beauregard is one of those mm-hmm. that was developed in Chase, Louisiana, and at the Sweet Potato, at the Sweet Potato Research, Research Station. Station. Yeah, the and Orleans as well. I, I mean, we, one of the other people that's interviewed from the Research Station is Don Levante, mm-hmm. who is one of our one of the breeders there, and the work they're doing in that. It, it I, I I'm ashamed to say it. I've told people in my own parish this that, uh, but I did not know what we had in Franklin Parish in that station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it like in Crowley, like, wow, that's a big deal. And St. Gabriel with the sugarcane research. But realizing like the reach, mm-hmm. you know, sugarcane research maybe will affect some Florida state, you know, some Florida sugarcane, but mostly it's for Louisiana farmers. There are states all across the country growing sweet potatoes that are using varieties and research uh, expertise from that station and chase, which is just, it was kind of mind blowing that there, and in fact, around the world, I didn't realize the reach and the, you know, the value of that station that I drive, I've driven past a million times in my, my home parish right there. And I'd never been there until I went and shot these interviews for the story. And I was embarrassed about that, to be honest. The other thing, Don Labonte is just such a cool guy. I mean, he's so knowledgeable and friendly and wants to share it with you. And it's like, he's going to explain everything to you to where you understand it and wants you to understand. He has a genuine desire to impart that knowledge got, to he, you. That teacher's heart. Yeah. And I, I, I just loved that about the interview you did with him. I thought you that could that hear was, that. I, I, I cannot, I, I'm a, it's, he's the worst person for me to interview because I turn into this little nerd. All of turn a sudden, into, just, well, I'm not. I'm the cool guy. Um, oh, wow. That is some breaking news here on the Twilight After Show <laughs> podcast. But whenever I'm talking to him, all of a sudden he just he just draws me in. And like mm-hmm. the way he's so passionate about what he does, but also can explain it in a way that doesn't sound like a scientist with the amount of knowledge in his brain. And I'm not saying that anyone we interview does this, but he doesn't talk down to you at all either. That's what I, I was oh, like. No. I can listen to this guy all day long. I actually listened to the entire interview. Do you remember how long it was? Oh, yeah. It was 37 minutes. You remember how many correctly? times I said in there, I've got to quit asking you questions. I'm yep. sorry. I said it two or three times in that interview. I'm just guilty as can be with that guy. I, just, I love him so much. But it, it's, it's mind blowing how much actually happens in that station. And you're going to learn all about you're it. You're going to learn all about it.
<laughs> All about it. Anyways, sorry, I, I sidetracked <laughs> you just talking about Chase because, it, it, again, it's embarrassing that I've never been there and done a story on it. It's being from Winsboro like I am. That's the crazy thing, though. I mean, there are so many things that are in our backyards that we just have never been to. So, like, I grew up in New Iberia, right? So you would think that I've been to every little place around there. I've been to Lake Foss Point or Foss Point State Park one time. Mm. That's it. Mm. You know, there, and that's a great treasure. That's a wonderful place to go and hang out. Same yeah. is true of me. I've never been to Poverty Point. Really? I haven't either. Like the, uh, the Indian, the Native American. That's, historic. that's something that I want to do a story on. I'm sure there's a story Because they there. just found a, a new discovery with that about how much more extensive it is than they ever thought. It's known world round. Like it is. Around the it's world. a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And I've never been to it. Yeah. It's within a few minutes of my house. 30 minutes drive from my parents' house. It's because we take it for granted. It's we in our it backyard. Yeah. And so, true. you know, so I guess... What I'm saying there is we got to get out of that mindset. We got to say what was in our backyard that, I mean, New Orleans, I mean, there got to be lots of places. You There's got to be a story in New Orleans now. Yeah, and done. I'm sure. Well, I mean, one of the fascinating things about growing up there is that I grew up inside the city. And then, you know, I would always look, I, I'm, I, I love panoramic vista. So I'd always go up into buildings and, you know, look around and see, you know, look out into the distance and wonder what was out there. And so now through this job, I've gotten to do that kind of stuff. So um, remember, I did the story with the uh, on Amy's seafood lot. Mm -hmm. Well, as the crow flies, that was about a mile from my house in Audubon Park. And I never went over there. I never went to those. I always looked across Audubon Park and would see the the big grain elevators that were over there that caught fire. It was a very famous uh, grain elevator fire in there in the 70s and never went over there. But now through this job, I've been over there and now I'm looking from the other side of the river to see, you know, <laughs> across mm -hmm. to see where I used to live and, and all of the stuff that was just literally right there. And there's so many. And even there, that's developed area right behind it is all swamp. And so there's dozens and dozens of stories out there that we're just not familiar with. Um, one of the things that I'd like to do this year is a story on the Chittimacha tribe. If you mm -hmm. remember, there was a, um, I did that story on the, uh, the plant facility down in Galliano, which got damaged by Hurricane Ida. Well, one of the things they grow there is the reeds for the basket weaving that they do in the Chittimacha tribe. And mm. so that's just something in Louisiana that we don't think about, but it's a, there's a major Indian museum there and a major, you know, uh, culture center there that we're, we're just, we overlook. I'm going to take a, take that on a little tangent. There's so much Native American history oh, yeah. here in Louisiana that is often overlooked. We, right. we, we forget about it because of all the Cajun culture that mm -hmm. is so prevalent down in South Louisiana. But there now. are literally thousands of Indian mounds across mm -hmm. Louisiana. There's one on my family's farm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Did y'all know that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't know. Yeah. Huh. that's. I think that's also part of why I've never been that. I think somewhere in my head, I've been like, oh, cool. Poverty Point. Woo, I got that in my backyard. Literally right. in my backyard. Yeah. And I've just never really. But yeah, like. They're everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Iberia Parish was originally a Takapaw territory. Mm -hmm. Homa. Hello, there's the Homa tribe. Right. You know, we've got a lot of Native American history here that I guess we, we take for granted as well. So I well, guess we're going to do more stories on, on that. The absolutely. story that I did on the, the forestry damage after Ida. Chapapila. Mm -hmm. Chapapila means hurricane in Choctaw. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I got a question. So we've talked about some of this. I want to get Bree back in this. 
So <laughs> we're talking about stories we'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Where is maybe a passion of what is a passion of yours that you're hoping to maybe find a way to use uh, your Twyla job to go and maybe tell stories about? Yeah, definitely rodeo. <laughs> um, you rodeoed, right? I did. Barrel do? racer. Do or did? Are you retired? Kind of. <laughs> hoping to come out of retirement soon. Um, horses currently in Oklahoma. Um, kind of so, hard to practice. Yeah. It's long, long kind of a tough one right there. Um, but I want to get back out there. And I think this job is a good way to get out there. Are, the are, are there stories in the rodeo world in Louisiana that we're missing out on? Yeah, definitely. This past year with the NFR and, and I think you guys had eight people, six to eight people go to the NFR. Um, one came back the right after the NFR and his wife had a baby and she was, I mean, went with him to the NFR and they came back and next day she was having a new one. Wow. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, That's... Now she did tell me she does want to see an alligator. Yes. Well, yes. I know somebody that's really good with handling them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard. Uh, <laughs> and we don't, have to, video. We don't have to yeah. need to go back into that. But again, I've told you about this already, Bree, but that's another story that it's been sitting in my, like, I've got connections to the DeMoss boys that the DeMoss men, their brothers that are like <laughs> multiple world champions and bareback and i think saddle bronc maybe or something like that multiple time world champions that trained remember the story i did with buckshot sims yeah remember that i'm pretty sure he helped train them growing up as young riders mm-hmm. there's a connection there and they grew up in franklin parish i mean and we've done stories on tb porter never done well. a thing with them i've mm-hmm. never even thought I've, I've thought about mm-hmm. it i've just never been able to chase that down so maybe finally now Bree, you can finish the job <laughs> it's crossed Perfect. my mind but never actually happened so rodeo stories coming your way on twyla soon very soon hopefully very soon what else do we have on this week's show this week's show so really we have the feasting on agriculture we have the arbor day with brie we have avery's sweet potato mm-hmm. stuff and outside of that we kind of have some promotional stuff that we're just getting out there we've done stories in the past we've talked about it on here the grain bin safety workshops mm-hmm. that we do every year um they're happening on February. 8th, 9th, 9th, and 10th in the northeast part of the state, uh, Oak Grove, Vidalia, and Winsboro, Mm -hmm. I think in that order. Uh, So we'll have the details on that on the website. If if you're a farmer and have grain bins or are close to grain bins, it's a good thing to get out there and uh, learn about because, I mean, we've seen since I've been in this job, we've had multiple accidents, some that have had successful rescues, some that sadly have not. And uh, I mean that. The reality is if you get caught in grain entrapment, if that auger is pulling down the grain and pulls you down with it, even if they stop it before you go all the way under, you're looking at three hours, Yep, three hours stuck in that grain So on average. Yeah. So, so these workshops are super valuable mm-hmm. to make sure that even the farmers know the dangers of getting in this, uh, the, the tanks to, to maybe clear some clogged uh, grain up or first responders that are coming to rescue mm-hmm. you know the steps take the do's and don'ts the uh the best methods to extract someone that is stuck and they use a special grain bin rescue tube a mm-hmm. tube that they that the firefighters or first responders build around you mm-hmm. so to help you come out well 
there have been several farm bureaus that have bought those tubes right. and donated those to their, their local, local volunteer fire departments. fire departments. And that's and that's that makes a difference. It mm-hmm. really does. And it's a way in which, you know, I, farmers can can ensure that those the first responders have the tools they need to save their lives. I would be curious to know back. So the first Wendell was telling me, Wendell Miley, the safety director mm-hmm. for the Farm Bureau, he told me that he started this in 2014 in Caddo Parish. I'd be curious to know how many of those tubes existed in our state mm-hmm. in 2013 and how many are in our state now because of this workshop. I know Caddo has bought at least two. And they're about five or six grand for that, yeah. that kind of a setup. So, I mean, I, it would be neat to know that just that, uh, that kind of investment. So we, we talked about that in the show. There's an update on that and all the details for that in the show. Also, uh, we talk about the Red Barn, the party in the Red Barn. We've done that for a few years now, Vermilion Parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avery, you and I have both been to this event. It's a it's a huge it's a huge party. It's a great a great opportunity to have fun, pass a good time with the young farmers and ranchers over there in Vermilion Parish. They, I tell you what, that parish really does an amazing job with with its farm bureau, mm-hmm. and they have such great camaraderie. This this event, while yeah, it's a chance to get together, eat some food. Have good, a few drinks. Good, good food. Yeah, really good food. Um, you know, the fellowship. But it also raises money for some very important scholarships. The Dwayne Zonbrecher Scholarship, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Foundation, Linda and Wayne Zonbrecher Scholarship. It also raises money for the Ag in the Classroom Foundation. And it helps their wife and our committee. I want the record to show that Avery does not have a script in front of him. That was very impressive. <laughs> so the Dwayne Zombrecker Scholarship is the local, the mm-hmm. Vermilion Parish Wife and R Scholarship that they right. give out to um, high school seniors. Mm-hmm. They're going to school uh, to study ag, I believe. Is that a requirement? Yeah. The Linda and Wayne Zombrecker Scholarship is the is what is the name of the State Farm Bureau Foundation right. Scholarship. So and that, they're raising money for multiple different scholarships mm-hmm. and. Uh, and ag in the classroom, so it's a it's a it's a big deal, and it's one of our I think biggest fundraisers statewide for those uh, those things. Now, I mean, it's, between, it's a huge deal between that, the sporting clays challenge, the fishing rodeo, all of those help put money into the coffers for these scholarships and for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Foundation Lyndon Wayne Zonbrecher Scholarship. That deadline is coming up really quick we also talked about that in the show that yeah. was the third third thing that we promoted was yeah. that scholarship so february 5th if i remember correctly is the deadline for that sorry february 4th i'm being uh corrected which um i should remember that because it's my brother's birthday but i digress that that's the deadline and they need to have those into the local local if, parish farm bureau local parish farm bureau not office. postmarked by that date in, in, in the office, office in the by office. that date and then that gets sent up the chain and and the great thing about it is it's a four-year scholarship, so it follows the student through their entire college career. And also, there are several scholarships awarded yeah. each year. So it, yeah. And that changes based on what the, the funding level is and the committee meets to decide how many they're going to give out. But it, it, re- it, it really is one of those scholarships that if you're a Louisiana Farm Bureau member and about to graduate high school and you don't apply for the scholarship, you probably you're probably missing out. Yeah. And it's I mean, we all know school's not cheap and that's a it's a huge step in the right direction for uh covering that. So Yeah. And I can I want to point out that I think uh, Brianne maybe heard 
two words I just said because <laughs> RFD right now is showing rodeo up there and she mm-hmm. is just watching she is watching that in. right there locked in checking that time a 20.54 hey this is what was it, little britches is yes. that what they call it? yes were you a, were little, you a little britches I was not I didn't start rodeo until high school I didn't start riding in like completely until I was a freshman in high school. These, so. these girls can ride though. Yeah, they like, can. Good lord, what is that? What's that called? Pole, pole bending, huh? Pole bending? bending, bending. Yeah, I think I knew that. Did you? Obviously, no. you didn't. Obviously, not. Um, anyways, you need to see. Up. You need to see Neil on a horse. Ooh. That's that's. He's gonna work Neil? with you on crawfish. You work with him in horses. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what's next week. Bree's gonna go and get some crawfish. Uh, get her first taste of crawfish, maybe right. I've had crawfish before. Mm-hmm. In Louisiana? Not Louisiana crawfish. Okay. It's, not, up, it's not real unless it's in Louisiana. Wait, wasn't it a pumpkin and it was a pumpkin and crab bisque you got yes. at Beau Soleil when yes. we went? I was thinking it might have been a crawfish, but yeah, it was pumpkin and crab. Anyways. Right. Y'all are getting some crawfish action next week. So mm-hmm. uh you're gonna get your we're first. Gonna, we're gonna try to head out to Tony's and and uh, get some of that there, which has just got to be one of the best places. One of the great things about him is that he always buys Louisiana crawfish. He always he buys directly from farmers only. So you're getting the the cream of the crop, which is what everyone should be doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ask before you eat, just like the <laughs> uh, crawfish uh, promotion and research board always says. Yet another board of that exists to promote the mm-hmm. industry. So. So all of those things we described, the party at the Red Barn, the crawfish coming up, it's just a taste of the huge amount of events we have coming up. The spring is just always busy for Farm Bureau, and they're, they're, we're really going to be kicking off a lot of events, not only for that, but also here we're going to be headed out to Santa Barbara in a few weeks. And, I mean, there's just a mm, lot going working on. Working hard. Working hard for the Farm Bureau. All right. Well, on behalf of Brianne, Carl, and Avery, uh, this is Neil Malonson. Thanks for joining us on the Twilight After Show podcast. See you next time. Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, and let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring (laughs) your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them, let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 